Hello, welcome to Dominique Landia. I'm Dominique, your host, and I just decided on a whim one day that I should have a podcast. You know what's funny is I have been going through this like quarter life crisis, quarter life crisis, or whatever it is, um, for a little while here. And it's interesting. I feel like everybody was talking about how amazing your 20s could be. And I hope for other people that that is true because my 20s were hectic and I recently turned 30. And I'm hoping that this this next decade is way, way better. But it's already getting off to a rocky start, which is funny. So on July... 28th, I believe it was, of this year, 2023, um, I was working for a major tech company here in the Bay Area um, that specialized in electric vehicles, solar panels, and I think if you think about it hard enough, you can figure out exactly which company I used to work for, but in any case, um, I got fired, and I got fired for attendance, which is so funny. Um, How hard is it to fucking show up for work, right? (laughs) But um, it's interesting. They have a very strict return, not return, oh my gosh, strict attendance policy. And, um, you know, it just was one of those things. Um, I was late a few too many times. And, you know, what's interesting about that is being late is so rude and disrespectful. And I can own that. And I think part of me, actually a lot of me, was trying to sabotage myself because I was tired of working there. I was tired of performing the duties of the job. And to be frank, I really didn't want to do it anymore. And for a long time, I feel like I've been going through the motions like a lot of young people where you're kind of just working to make ends meet with no real passion about the job. Or if you are in a fortunate situation like me, I've really, um, been fortunate to live with my parents for majority of my life you know um I briefly moved out and that was like living on campus living with a roommate and you know it was cool to come and go as I pleased and I do miss that heightened level of independence it was definitely hard to go back into my parents house um and go back to their house rules and fall in line with everything that they want you to do, especially when you get used to being able to come and go as you please. If I want to leave at 4 a.m. in the morning, I can do that without anybody being worried. I can come back home at a frosty 2.12 a.m. without anybody really tripping about it. Now it's just a little different. I have to be a little bit more considerate and, um, you know, it's just, it's not the same as when you have your own space and it's your own vibe and everything in that motherfucker is yours, you know? So, um, but in any case, I was talking about the fact that I got fired and, you know, I had a great boss. I got the privilege of working in a very good environment. The pay could have been better and the benefits were really good. But at the end of the day, I hated the job. I didn't want to do the job. And that came through every time I showed up for work. You know, what's interesting is I remember going to day one of orientation. Actually, let me backtrack a little bit further than that. When I was applying for jobs, it was kind of just one of those things that I just did. It was like throwing an arrow at a dartboard and not really looking and somehow fucking up and hitting bullseye. You know, that's how getting this job was for me, which is so just 
I don't know, maybe ungrateful in some ways, and then in other ways, just unexpected, and I don't know what other adjectives you could ascribe to it, but whatever. I got this job, and it was kind of like this accident or whatever. Then when I got to the interview, um, I actually drove to the wrong side of the building or the wrong building altogether, so I was a few minutes late, and it's funny. It seemed like no matter what I did, I just couldn't fuck this up, right? So then I went to the interview, and it was toward the end of COVID. Um, It was interesting because... Um, They were like, oh, you can take your mask off. And I was like, fuck you, bitch. I am not taking my fucking mask off in here. And some of that was because I didn't want to get sick. And um, living with my parents, my grandfather uh, had come to live with us. And I wanted to make sure nobody got sick. But I was also dealing with a pretty intense hormonal issue. And, um, you know, I was dealing with PCOS. I was dealing with a crazy acne flare-up. I was dealing with hairs in places I didn't want them. And to be honest with you, the mask was a gift in that respect that I could... I didn't have to be vulnerable in that way. And I didn't have to, um, you know, deal with the discomfort of, you know, dealing with those physical flaws. And also, it gave me a sense of security in the sense that when I disagreed with something that somebody said, I got a chance to make faces and, um, you know, flare up my lips or whatever. Um, And I knew nobody could actually see what I was really thinking, you know. All you had was my eyes to go off of. And at the time, I think I was wearing bangs also. So there really wasn't much there. You couldn't see my eyebrows very well. And I think for a while... Um, I enjoyed wearing the mask because it gave me a sense of security, a sense of cover. In any case, I made it through the interview. The interview actually went pretty well. Um, And I think the best interviews actually flow like a a seamless conversation, you know, where there's banter, there's back and forth, there's yin and yang, tit for tat. And it was a good conversation. You know, I ended up meeting with two people, a guy and a lady, and, um, you know, they were both interesting. Um, also one other thing about that interview is I made a point to try to be my most authentic self. You know, I felt like, you know, I don't really want this fucking job anyways, but, um, if they're going to give it to me, they're going to give it to me as me fully authentically me. So like normally I would have cut down my super long acrylic nails to something more demure. I probably would have gone with, you know, like a, a brown or a red or a purple or some neutral, um, color on my fingernails, you know, something that looked a little bit more toned down. Uh, but this time I was like, fuck it. I had these long ass ombre blue nails, you know, with a big ass silver bow with rhinestones and jewels and gems everywhere. And I just didn't want to turn myself down for that. But you know, what's interesting is one the guy who interviewed me, um, and, and the lady too, I felt like they were captivated by the boldness of my nails. And they liked the fact that I just kind of showed up as myself, you know, and I think funny enough that worked in my favor. Um, long story short, I ended up getting the job and I remember the first day that I was there, um, for orientation, we were in like, um, hour three and the majority of the team had done orientation in another state. We were the only two, um, that were kind of virtually doing 
orientation from the sales office and um everybody else was like completely in another state they were like um I think I want to say like eight of us, nine, eight, nine, ten, somewhere in that neighborhood of us in total for the orientation. Um, and um, two of us, um, you know, uh, based on the West Coast. Anyways, uh, we got through, you know, orientation. I remember the first break came like three hours into the session. And I was thinking, you know, I don't know if I want to do this. Finally, we finished orientation um, after a couple weeks. And I remember just like thinking how boring the job was. And it was, I don't know, I was watching other people perform the function of the job. And man, it just, it just didn't seem like something I wanted to do, you know? And I kept having that reoccurring thought, you know? It's like when you're in a relationship and you finally realize, okay, this is not the person for me. But you stay and you give it six more months. You give it another year because it's convenient. It's you know, um, whatever. And for me, that's what this job was. It was, it gave me a steady paycheck. It was convenient. It gave me a social outlet. Um, and prior to having the job, I might've even said I went through like a little bit of a mild depression. You know, I had lost a lot of my friends. I had, you know, um, just been going through this midlife crisis of trying to figure out like what I wanted to do and who I was and, You know, how was I going to get out of my parents' house? And all these things, you know. But this job, I ended up working there a little bit over a year. But I remember at numerous times kind of just thinking, wow, this is not where I see myself. This is not what I want to do. And that thought kept repeating over and over and over and over again. And I remember numerous times while being at work, you know, performing the functions of the job, thinking, I do not want to do this. And I would do little things to sabotage myself. And I would do little things like show up late to work, knowing that there was only a five minute grace period, you know, and I think I wore out all of my manager's patience. And he was very patient with me. Honestly, he was one of the best managers I've ever had in my entire life. And if I had the privilege of running a company, I would love to just kind of pluck him from that other company and ask him to come join me I don't even know if he would maybe one day I'll be able to extend the option I don't know but he was wonderful to work with he was the best person that I've ever gotten a chance to work with as far as managerial um, roles go Um, and if I had to do it again I would work with that man again and again and again at you know other times in life I definitely would But I remember at numerous times just kind of thinking I didn't want to do the job. I remember having that thought at two weeks. I remember that at three months. I remember thinking at three months, like, okay, after six months in this job, I don't know how much more I want to be there. Then six months came and went. And I remember when I had finally been with the company for a year. And we were in a meeting. And they were like, yay, Dominic, you've been here for a year. Do you have anything to say? And I was just like, no. I don't have anything to say, you know? And in my mind, I was thinking, damn, I've been here for a fucking year. What have I done with my life? Why the fuck am I still here? You know? I knew that that wasn't something I wanted to continue to do. And I think because I didn't have the courage to find another job or to move on to something that mattered more to me, 
I sabotaged myself into losing the job. And I think other people have probably done the same thing, you know, and I did that by being late. I did that by getting up from my desk and wandering around the campus, you know, for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, you know. I did that by, you know, falling asleep on lunch um, and sleeping through my lunch hour, you know. One time I slept through my lunch hour by over two fucking hours. And they were like, Dominique, where are you? And, you know, I just did little, did little things that a person who really wanted the job would not do. I got to a point where I was not as grateful for the job as I should have been. And it was an opportunity, you know. But it wasn't for me anymore. And I think I knew it wasn't for me a long time ago. A long, long time ago. You know. And for anybody who's listening to this, if you could learn from my experience, I would say the goal in life is to be more responsive. When you notice it's something or someone... It's not for you. Have the courage to let it go earlier rather than later. The longer you hold on to things that are not meant for you, it's like you just kind of self-sabotage. You know, you contaminate it for not just yourself, but everybody in your environment. And that's really not fair. You know, it's too bad that my boss, who I simply adored was put in a position by me where he had to fire me. And I don't blame anybody else for my decisions but me. I take full responsibility for the way I conducted myself. I take full responsibility for showing up late to work, you know. And yeah, I had decent metrics. Customers loved working with me and I loved working with them. But at the end of the day, I knew a while ago that I did not want a job where me being five minutes late was going to be a make or break thing when it came to the daily functions of my job. I wanted something where the highlight of my day wasn't whether or not somebody was trying to commit fraud with their credit card or, um, you know, some other stupid menial issue. You know, I thought what I was doing wasn't important enough, but it's not that it wasn't important enough. It wasn't important enough to me. It didn't matter enough to me, you know, and I think that's what it was. And I think, you know, for a while, that attitude that I had toward that job was slipping through the cracks until finally, you know, the last straw broke, you know. But um, if I could leave you guys with anything, I think it would be pay attention to your life. You know, um, I was watching, I think, an episode of Oprah. There's a gentleman named Gary Zukav. He's got a book called Seed of the Soul. And there's an analogy they draw in the book where they say that your life is always speaking to you. And they basically liken you to a pane of glass, be it a, a pretty thick pane of glass, but a pane of glass that regenerates and is glass nonetheless. And basically they say that at first life gives you these little warnings. And let's say these little warnings are like, you know, little tiny grains of salt. 
little pieces of hail that kind of lightly thud against the glass. You hear them, but they're not really strong enough to cause any abrasions, right? And then it's like, as you continue to ignore the lesson or not heed the advice from the universe, that little grain of salt becomes a tiny little pebble. Then it becomes, you know, a marble. Then it becomes, you know, a rock that you can skip. Pretty soon that you know it's a rock that's the size of a fucking apple. Then it's a brick. Then it's a fucking boulder that comes crashing through your pane of glass, you know. And the point is, pay attention while the warnings are small, you know. I can give you another example of that. I think when it comes to like dating and stuff like that, you know, I think too often people stay in relationships waiting for the other shoe to drop, waiting for proof. But you knew all along that your intuition was telling you something wasn't right about the relationship. And this is not just like cheating and adultery. These are like, you know, noticing a person doesn't have the same value system that you have. Noticing how you feel around a person, whatever it is. The point is, life is always giving you, you know, a sign. God is always speaking to us. And I think sometimes we're waiting for this big, magnanimous, blaring example, you know, or big, giant sign, or you're waiting for a cloud to fall out of the sky or something crazy to happen. But the evidence is all around us. The directions are always there and sometimes we just have to listen in any case thank you so much for hearing this first episode and i look forward to producing more and more for you um please if you could check out my amazon store and check out my ebay store i'm always trying to sell little things here and there online and um look at me undermining myself little things check out my ebay store check out my amazon store and thank you so much for listening i look forward to you know um sharing more and more with you um and bringing more content to your ears eyes wherever you may be in the world thank you